0: This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the roaring 20s. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on Chapter 6, and the mystery has gotten so good, I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. I'm really mad at Patrick Mahomes right now.
1: Uh, Excuse- I'm <laughs> sorry. Whoa. No. <laughs> Time out. Absolutely not. Sports, everybody. Brought to you by Kristen. Kristen, go ahead and tell us what you know about Patrick Mahomes. Look, what team he's on, what position he plays, and don't look at your fantasy football. He's
0: whatever, my quarterback he's on. on my fantasy football. I know what team he plays for and what position he plays in. But we're in the second quarter. He's only gotten me seven points. I don't really know what you get the points for. But I need him to oh. get me more. <laughs> I don't really know what you get that thing. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps, from serial killers and to con-, con artists and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm
1: O'Gap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them.
0: God. I'm glad I another football. episode. Of Tr-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am living for this content. I want you, I, I think the next major creep should be you just doing the. I think it
0: should be a live football game and you're just commentating. I, I well, I can't even watch the games. I don't have any ESPN sports <laughs> <laughs> channels. Wow. <laughs> How
1: many people just unsubscribed (laughs) from like our whole entire life? Just like, like, nope, I'm out on these girls. They suck. (laughs) Uh, Three three text messages from Louise. Just, I don't even know what they are yet. They're just flying in. Oh. What'd she say? (laughs) Are you ready? Ready. This is just three. These are three text messages all within the same two minutes. Can't wait. Reba McIntyre is going to be in Galveston October 28th. Oh. Took a big nap under my weighted blanket. (laughs) Coco and I love naps. (laughs) Coco
0: and I love naps. Coco's her dog. Coco Channel. Coco Coco Channel. Coco Channel. Coco Channel and her love naps. Oh, good.
1: Yeah, oh, good. Anne Marie got, I mean, what what do you do with that? Like, what does she want me to respond, and in what order?
0: Okay. Hey, we have a Patreon. <laughs> hey, and on that Patreon, we have bonus content. If you just need more of this, oh, I am sure that people are content lining up in your life. Head on over to the Patreon. We've got three levels. At the five dollar level you get a bonus episode every month, full-length bonus episode. This month's just dropped on the Conrad Roy Michelle Carter case where we explore if text messages can be considered a homicide. So that's always an interesting case. Uh, You also get a shout-out on the podcast, of course, Your Famous Adjacent, And then at the $7 level, bump it up two bucks and you get mini creeps, like two to three times a month, usually two times a month, Uh where those are just like shorter episodes. Sometimes they're on true crime stuff. Sometimes they're Am I the Asshole? Sometimes it's Mogab talking about her mom for 30 minutes. Just whatever's in our heads. And then if you go up to the $10 level, oh, at the $7 level, you also get a card with a sticker and our autographs and then at the ten dollar level you can get all of that plus 20 percent off merch and all the episodes now ad free up on the patreon and i try to put them up their day early unless like like last week i, f- I forgot <laughs> <laughs> you are crushing it
1: did you rename the ten dollar level i think
0: i saw that yeah i did what did I to call it? Ages. To the famous adjacent. To the famous adjacent. Yes. Great job. Great job. Yeah. So anyway. You should
1: come join us over there because next year Kristen's probably going to start a fantasy football league for the peeps and creeps. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> she'll be the uh, league. What's it called? Um, why can't I think of it? Oh, my gosh. She'll be the league administrator over there.
0: Okay. Um, no. I cannot do that. <laughs> I am participating, but not well. I'm just doing what the computer's telling me to do. I don't know who any of these people are, except for Patrick I Mahomes. I, you, I got I Tom Brady on the bench. I should have played him. <laughs> God. Oh, I love
1: this.
0: Sports talk. <sighs> Sports talk by Drew Grimper. They have a 4% chance of winning this week. <sighs> okay. Well, let's get into this week's case, which is much more interesting than my dumb fantasy football stats. <laughs> This week, I'm telling you about the murder of Lauren Giddings. Lauren Giddings did not have time in June of 2011. No time for anything. Nothing. She'd just graduated. Oh
1: yes.
0: Mm. She had just graduated from law school in May. And now, about a month away, was the bar exam. She'd managed to squeeze in a trip back home to Maryland for her sister Caitlin's wedding. She definitely couldn't miss that since she was the maid of honor. But once she yeah, got back, don't got time for that girl. <laughs> but once she got back to Macon, Georgia, where she'd gone to law school, where she was still living, she basically told her family she would be unavailable until after the bar. She was unplugging. She needed to get rid of all distractions. She needed to focus. Maybe I should tell
1: Louise I'm taking the bar. <laughs> She's really smart at these three tech.
0: You should not Sorry, do that I'm the bar. <laughs> for all of the reasons I'm about to tell you. Oh no! But it hadn't been easy for her to focus. She'd been feeling a bit creeped out, actually, like someone was watching her. She'd even emailed her boyfriend one night to tell him that she thought someone had recently tried to break into her apartment. Also, side note, it boggles my mind that there are people who have used email to keep in touch with people in their day-to-day life. Like, I used to email family members and stuff, like especially my grandma liked to use email because she didn't text. But she emailed her boyfriend in 2011
1: you're like was that supposed to be a text <laughs> are there people that do that hit the wrong thing that email I instead of text. I, no but i just mean like you know you think you hit the message button you hit the envelope i don't know
0: i don't think that's a thing <laughs> well like to email on your phone yeah i think it's pretty clear when you have your text up oh, or an I've email i've definitely done that before you don't see the conversation like the text conversation when you open an yeah, email. Yeah, I know, but then I'm just like, well, I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? Anyway, it seems like after this email, no one ever heard from Lauren. Her sister Caitlin started getting worried when she realized she hadn't heard from Lauren in a couple of days. It was June 29th, 2011, and Caitlin didn't have a good feeling about it. She knew Lauren was unplugging. She was studying nonstop for the bar. This is what people do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it wasn't like her to go complete radio silence. Caitlin had sent a few texts that were still unread. And now Lauren's phone was going straight to voicemail. And then that night on June 29th, a friend of Lauren's called Caitlin to ask if she'd heard from her. And Caitlin's fears worsened. This friend was Katie O'Hare, and she'd been best friends with Lauren since elementary school. She had texted Lauren a few funny photos from Caitlin's wedding, and these were like the type of photos that Lauren would have laughed at and then immediately warned Katie not to post them. <laughs> like, that was the response Katie expected, but she got yeah. no response. And again, she knew Lauren was studying for the bar. Everyone was trying to give her her space. but yeah, it takes like two seconds. Right. Was she too busy to look at a few photos? Like, Katie didn't think so. Especially as one day passed, and then two, and then three, and then finally on the fourth day, she sounded the alarm by calling Caitlin.
1: Is that what having a sister is like? Like you're in constant communication where like a couple days pass, or a day passes, and you're like, wow, I haven't heard. <laughs> is that, is a text message thread between two biological sisters just back and on forth fire every day. all the well, time? Well, this wasn't
0: even her sister. This was her friend Katie, who was no, like- No, I know, but- the it started
1: with the sister and then yeah. katie sounded the alarm to the sister mm-hmm. but the sister already was like suspicious been a couple of days yeah yeah that's just like a constant i mean i don't know what it's like to have a real sister but
0: i, I thought certainly I don't that have... seems like a
1: commitment <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i don't have anybody that I, I think that if somebody hadn't heard back from me after like four days like they'd been trying to text me and they hadn't heard from me i think that would like if somebody was trying to get a hold of me that would sound off an alarm yeah. but Just not having heard from me, Mm -hmm. you, I wouldn't think twice. (laughs) What, if I didn't respond? Yeah, for like four or five days. That's Uh why you should start responding because people won't notice when you're missing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's my threat.
0: Good. (laughs) And now those alarm bells were going off for Caitlin. And so she started calling and sending Facebook messages around to some of Lauren's other friends to see if they'd heard from her including her friend in Macon named Ashley Morehouse, and none of them had. That day was agonizing for Caitlin as she just kept checking her phone, hoping that Lauren would have texted her back, that she'd just turned her phone off so she could study, and then they'd all be laughing about how worried they were in a few hours. Like, that was what she was hoping for. Yeah. Lauren was the oldest of three sisters, Caitlin, and then their youngest sister, Sarah. Lauren was the bookish one of the three. She'd always been into academics, and her family was so proud of her because she was the first in the family to go to college. She was ambitious and driven, you know, all the traits that make a good law student. But she also had a life of the party side. Her friends said she was a riot, and you couldn't hang out with her for five minutes and not be having a good time. She was the type of person that didn't have a filter, and people usually loved her for that. Lauren was from Maryland. She was born and raised, but she loved the South. Her friends all called her a country girl at heart. And so when it was time to choose a college, she chose a small women's liberal arts school called Agnes Scott College in Decatur, Georgia.
1: Decatur, so cute.
0: And she married, uh, she married, (laughs) she majored in political science with a minor in religious studies and then graduated in 2006. And then two years later, Lauren decided to go to law school at Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, with such famous alums like Nancy Grace. Oh. (laughs) She'd first thought. I think she's
1: like an adjunct. She's just like doing like (laughs) classes on the side. Probably.
0: Lauren had first thought she would go to medical school and be a doctor. But in the end, she decided on law school so that she could be a public defender. She just always wanted to help people. She found a little apartment in a small building called Barrister's Hall because it was right across the street from the law school and it kind of catered to the law students. And I don't want you to get the wrong idea because I feel like calling it Barrister's Hall makes it sound really fancy and nice. Picture the apartments behind the DG house.
1: I already knew that you're going there because was
0: like the (laughs) Carlisle. Yes. It was like the door, like there's no balcony. The door faces like right at the front and there's the Mm. railing. Oh, you know, yeah. in front. And there's two levels. Kinda run it's kind down, of t- kinda it's older. Kind of
1: slanted a little bit. Like why are they always kind of <laughs> leaning forward? Just slightly. Just like the little part that walks in mm-hmm. the banisters just always just got like a little like forty-five degree lean.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just
1: <laughs> exactly. Just enough to make you nervous as you're walking And up.
0: if you like look at the building, there's only like four units, it seems like, in each building. There's two on the top, two on the bottom, and then there's like yeah. another building behind it. A duplex. Yeah. Just about everybody that lived there was a student, like down to the maintenance man. And Lauren just made herself right at home in Macon. She found a great park she loved to run in. She found a church she liked and became active in the church. Eventually, she even became president of her law school's Federalist Society, which is an organization for lawyers and law students. At Mercer, Lauren was channeling Elle Woods big time. (laughs) She was blonde. She wore pink every day. And she was always with her dog, a fluffy little Pekingese named Butterbean. (sighs) Oh, (laughs) It seems people gave her like a really hard time for it. But that was her. You know, she wanted to stand out. She liked attention. Lauren started dating a guy named David, who was 20 years older than her and living in Atlanta. Uh They met when she interned at his law firm and they hit it off right away. But it was really hard with the distance. Atlanta is like an hour and a half away from Macon. And I've made that drive many times because my best friend Leslie She lived near Macon for quite a while. And so I would often fly into Atlanta and drive back and forth to Macon. And making that drive just got to be too much, especially with Lauren still in law school. And not only that, but Lauren didn't really seem ready for a serious relationship. You know, she liked to flirt. She just wasn't really on the same page. And she wasn't really at the same stage in life as David was.
1: Yeah, 20 years older is like a significant different. Yeah,
0: especially when you're like 26, 27, you know, and he's like yeah, 47. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then she met Joe. He was her age. He was just super goofy, and they started dating. But the whole time they were dating and this kind of went on for several months, she just couldn't stop thinking about David. And she knew it was unfair to Joe, so she was really upfront with him about it. And Joe was broken-hearted, but the relationship was over. And finally, in May of 2011, Lauren graduated law school, and the entire family came out to Macon to celebrate. David was there celebrating, also. She had asked him to come, and then did it, her
1: family know about him, or was it just like two separate little?
0: No, I think her family existing. knew about them, but they. I think they were kind of wary of the relationship, like it seemed mm-hmm. kind of flaky, it seemed like not really steady, and they didn't really know, you know, they didn't want Lauren yeah. to get hurt, and they didn't, you know, they could, they could see it ending badly. And then again, they'd all been together for Caitlin's wedding, that had just been a week before this, mm. and now it felt like their family was just being torn apart. No one could get in touch with Lauren. Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earnin. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it, instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store, when you download the Earnin' app, type in Creepers under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under Podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin' is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's pros dot slash creepers, for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash creepers. So Caitlin asked Lauren's friend, Ashley, if she would stop by Lauren's apartment and just knock on the door and see if she's there. And Ashley knew that she hadn't seen Lauren since the previous Friday. When all the recent law school grads had all gotten together for like one last hurrah party before they all hold themselves up to study. (laughs) They'd partied at a friend's house who just so happened to be roommates with Lauren's ex-boyfriend, Joe. And Lauren had maybe or maybe not stayed the night with Joe. And that was the last time Ashley or any of her friends had seen her. So Ashley told Caitlin she'd go by the apartment. She knocked on the door, but there was no response. The door was locked. And so Ashley just assumed that Lauren was studying somewhere else or that she was out running at the park. She didn't really think much of it. She did notice that Lauren's car, a 2004 Mitsubishi Galant, was parked in the parking lot of the apartment. Another childhood fr- best friend of Lauren's, Lori Suspic, which I think this is funny because Lauren had two best friends. Lori and Katie. And then there's Lauren and Caitlin, and the Caitlin. sisters. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Lori had also been trying to get in touch with Lauren for several days with no response. She was living in Chicago at the time. And considering that Lauren's two best friends are long distance friendships, Lori knew that Lauren was really good about staying in touch. And Lori doesn't mess around. So she called the police in Macon. And asked how to file a missing persons report. So, she filed that missing persons report. She reported Lauren missing and an officer in Macon headed out to Lauren's apartment. Wait, I'm sorry. Who filed the report? Katie or Caitlin? Lori. Lori. Okay. <laughs> filed Laurie Lori report- in oh, Chicago Lori. was another best friend of Lauren's and okay, she yeah. filed the she missing filed- persons. Yeah. And the police came out. They kind of looked around but they didn't you know, they didn't see anything. Nothing seemed to miss. There was no sign that the door was broken into. And so they just left. But then a few hours later, Caitlin, the sister who's in Maryland, called Ashley, Lauren's friend that's in Macon, who was also a law student. She called Ashley again and told her that no one had still heard from Lauren. It's been hours. The police came out. She said, basically, this is an emergency. Like, we're all really worried about her. So Ashley told her she'd go back to Lauren's apartment f- for Caitlin. So
1: are we just like out on ever doing flow charts again? Like, is that just not, I'm never going to get another visual aid.
0: <laughs> just If I do so a, I a flow to, like, chart, then you're my stand in for the audience. So if you're uh, confused about something, then the audience is going to be confused about something. The audience loves your flow charts, though, too.
1: <laughs> And I can't be the like litmus test. You got to assume that everyone's like 25% (laughs) smarter than me at best. (laughs)
0: Or at least they can like rewind. Yeah. You know, my memory is shot. Yeah. So Ashley told her that she'd go back to Lauren's apartment for her and, and check it out. And she happened to know where Lauren kept her spare key. Or she had a spare key to Lauren's apartment. I'm not really sure what the deal is there. So she headed over to Lauren's with her boyfriend, with Ashley's boyfriend. And this time standing at Lauren's door, it was a completely different feeling than oh, no. earlier when she'd gone over there. She said. Right. This time it was a feeling of dread that she had. And she said she even turned to her boyfriend before she unlocked the door and she said, Are you ready for whatever we're going to see when we walk in there?
1: Yeah, like I I know you gotta go and check but like i never want to be the one going to check
0: no well i don't ever want to be the one finding a friend of mine
1: yeah i just don't even want to be in the position of like i could open the door and she could be studying or i could open the door and that's not the case
0: yeah so ashley unlocked the door and they walked into the apartment and it was pitch dark and she had to walk pretty far into the apartment before they got a light switch to turn the lights on
1: Ugh, why? Why is that always the thing?
0: I know, but nothing really seemed out of the ordinary, except for the fact that it didn't seem like Lauren was there. Ashley found her purse sitting on the couch, and it contained her wallet, her IDs, her keys, her phone. Phone. Ugh, that's not a good sign. Her laptop was still sitting on the bed. Butterbean, Lauren's dog, had been at home in Maryland with Lauren's parents. I didn't get real clarification on this, but I'm assuming that she probably brought the dog up when she was at the wedding the week before and then left the dog with her parents so that she could really focus on studying yes. for the bar. Like that makes sense to me, but I kind of just made it up because yeah, there wasn't really word on how long Butterbean had been with her parents. But oh, but don't you need your like emotional support dog, you know? But I think you also don't need something that like relies on you to like,
1: yeah, to be like, taken care of.
0: Like I have to like, you gotta yeah there's so much to
1: do. <laughs> study for the bar. i know i mean i love burks Whew. but the days he's like getting groomed or a daycare and mm-hmm. i don't have to walk a, just mm-hmm. walking him during the mm-hmm. work day i feel so much
0: more like mm-hmm. yeah. the whole apartment looks like lauren had just stepped out like maybe gone for a run and that she'd be right back everything except the fact that like her phone's dead her laptop's dead And Ashley had already stopped by three hours before and she hadn't been home then either. So what is she just running for three hours? Also weird because Lauren was supposed to move out the next day. She was moving in with David in Atlanta. But there was nothing like really packed in boxes or anything. There was some stuff packed in suitcases like she was kind of starting to get ready to get packed. But she was definitely not ready for a move. Like days ago, she was probably
1: starting to get ready.
0: Right. And I'm like, God, she's got a wedding and now she's got a move all while she's trying to take the bar. (laughs)
1: That is not that you are unwell. No kidding.
0: Her friends didn't love her relationship with David. Her friend Katie called the relationship flaky, but he was her boyfriend, so her sister Sarah called David to see if he'd heard from her, and he hadn't. He'd just returned from a golf trip in California, and like everyone else, he thought Lauren had been studying.
1: It was just terrible timing for Lauren to
0: go missing. Everyone that would have noticed sooner that she was gone was assuming that she was studying for the bar. Right. So Ashley rounded up all of Lauren's friends from law school, and I never got exactly who this group of ragtag law school scallions <laughs> was, but I love them you all. Call? Can you call law <laughs>
1: students ragtag?
0: <laughs> and they all started just searching for Lauren. Her ex-boyfriend, Joe, went over to the law school to look for her and see if she was studying there, while the rest of her friends stayed behind at the apartment to, like, look around the apartment more carefully. They were in detective mode, okay? They found (laughs) food wrappers on the top of her trash can from a Zaxby's. So they're like, okay, this was probably the last thing she had was this food from Zaxby's. And then in her car, they found a receipt from Zaxby's from around 6 p.m. on Saturday, which was four days earlier. So right now, that's like the last thing anyone knows for sure that she did. Yeah. They're like, where is she now? It's Wednesday. This is a Wednesday that all this is happening. They started thinking the worst, like Lauren would visit inmates in prison as part of her internship. And they were like, did maybe one of these inmates like her a little too much and gotten out of prison and like done something to her? And then they remembered that at that last party they'd all had on Friday night, Lauren had said she thought someone was stalking her. (gasps) But no one really took the claim seriously at the time. Lauren had a lot of admirers, and she didn't seem really worried about it. People kind of throw the word stalker around sometimes. Yeah. But now they're wondering if there was more to it. One of Lauren's friends there was her next-door neighbor and fellow law student, Stephen McDaniel. And he asked about the window locks. And so, like, are because the, the door was locked. Like, that's not yeah. how the person got in. So he's like, what about the windows? So they all went around and checked the windows. And they did find one window that was unlocked. And oh, like I said, because, because these friends are now in full on detective mode, they charge her phone and they see that the last time she'd made any contact with anyone had been on Saturday. And then they booted up her laptop and checked her email. I think her ex-boyfriend, Joe, he was there. I think he knew her passwords and was able to get into her computer but they saw job, that, yeah, they saw that she'd sent that email to David where she told him that she thought someone had been trying to break into her, her house the night before, like the night before she wrote the email.
1: I'm sorry. I'm not writing an email about that. And I'm definitely not still sleeping
0: there. Then. Well, she like she wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. She was like these making hoodlums are trying to break in. But now these they're trying to steal my grapefruits. Yeah, climbing she, on my <laughs> exactly. roof. Exactly. She didn't really seem all that concerned about it. So at this point, they all collectively decide to call the police again. It's been four days. They're very worried. Two officers with the university came by and spoke with everyone inside the apartment. And this was clearly a bad situation. So they called in Macon PD. And it was almost one in the morning on June 30th when an officer from Macon PD arrived. And they all went out to search everywhere that Lauren could possibly be the library, the apartment complex, everywhere around it, but she was nowhere. And then back in Maryland, you know, Lauren's sisters were waiting up to hear any news from or about her, and it was agonizing. At around two in the morning, they decided they needed to wake their dad up and let him know that Lauren was missing, and he just had a million questions, and they couldn't answer any of them. It was an 11-hour drive to Macon, but like dads do he couldn't just sit in maryland and wait for information so he jumped in the car headed out there i think this is like the third dad in a row we've talked about that's like i know i gotta get get out there yeah Mm -hmm. so detectives were called out and when they got to the apartment like nothing seemed strange at first glance you know everything just seemed normal nothing was clearly amiss Lauren's apartment was on the second floor of the building, and Lieutenant Steve Gatlin looked around inside and agreed with Lauren's friends. It looked like she'd walked out and she'd be right back, but she wasn't, and this was a really hot day. It was June in Georgia. It was over 90 degrees, and Lieutenant Gatlin- sweltering. I mean, you're just dripping. Yes, and Lieutenant Gatlin, he's standing on the second floor balcony when the breeze picked up. And with it, that slightly shakes the whole balcony that's leaning at a 45 (laughs) degree angle. Right. And with it carried a smell that Gatlin recognized. And it was not a good smell. And he followed the smell to the trash can bins outside of the apartment. And it actually was the garbage day for the apartment complex, but cop cars had been blocking the bins because they were all there investigating this. And so the trash hadn't been picked up that day. When the garbage truck came by, it just passed right by him because it couldn't get to the bins. So they were still full. And inside one of them, in the bin that contained the smell, he found two trash bags and he ripped it to the bag on top and it was just regular trash. But the bag on the bottom, gatlin was certain held human remains and he was right inside this bag they found a woman's torso no other body parts were found
1: why why is this not the first time i'm hearing those words come out of your mouth
0: (laughs) i know it's like the fourth (laughs) i know i know
1: what I'm going to have nightmares forever for the rest of my life.
0: I had a nightmare the other night that I had to teach math.
1: I had a wedding (laughs) nightmare the other night that it was just, it was just my wedding day. Like as if I had to get married tomorrow and everything (sighs) that is not booked was not booked. So you're basically just in this empty room and with no food, no, (laughs) it was nothing. It was like just Russell and I and all you people. And I bet we have the best time. (laughs) No, nothing. You had a dress. It's
0: in Texas. (laughs) <laughs> I had truly I nothing. brought it with me. This was now definitely a crime scene, so they immediately cordoned the whole building off, and they put up... So she- did, those, did the students know, or her classmates know that, that, that they found that, or did they like... No, they're not telling anybody. They're trying to keep okay. this off for as long as possible. So they even put up sheets on the side of the fence to block off the trash can so the media doesn't discover what they'd found. But... That wouldn't last long. The news got out long before they wanted it to, and soon Lauren's family was hearing that it was probably her body that had been found. Her dad was still on the road to Macon when he got the call, and his trip went from a hopeful search and rescue to now meeting up with the chief of police, Mike Burns, about the investigation into her murder. Meanwhile, detectives go to search the apartment and see what evidence they could find. Lieutenant Gatlin went in and sprayed luminol in Lauren's bathroom, which, if you don't remember, luminol reacts with blood, and mm-hmm. the whole bathroom lit up, especially the bathtub. The bottom two inches of the tub was like solid blue after it was sprayed. With Even luminol. if it's like
1: cleaned,
0: like right, if blood has been it's, like, there, wiped down,
1: yeah. Oh, I need to get, I mean, wouldn't that be weird to do uh, on a place that, like, you, you know, are moving into or something?
0: Why would you want that? (laughs) I know, I don't know, know? I was just saying. Why would you want to (sighs) know? But when they dusted for fingerprints and checked for hairs, they didn't find anything. Like, it seemed like maybe somebody had wiped it all down. Police had already taken all of Lauren's friends down to the police station to get their statements. They spoke to the maintenance man and her neighbor, Stephen both of whom said they hadn't seen Lauren in a while. Stephen was not only her neighbor, he also served with her in the Federalist Society, and he said that he'd been studying for the bar like everyone else. And so once police had spoken to all her friends, it seemed like the last time any of them had seen her had been at that party Friday night. When Bill Giddings, Lauren's father, finally got to Macon and got to the police station, he told the chief that he wanted to identify his daughter. And the chief looked at him and said, we're not chief to father right now. We're father to father. And you do not want to do that. This is not the way you want to remember your daughter. And he told them what they'd actually found of Lauren. Mm -hmm. And Bill Giddings just stared at the chief. And finally, he agreed that he did not want to identify it. Later investigators... But how do they know? I mean, I guess they're just assuming that it's her, right? Well, later investigators matched the DNA to a sample from Lauren's hairbrush and samples from her parents. So it was definitely her. Okay. And now police are trying to figure out who could have done this. You know, they knew they'd have to investigate her boyfriend, David, and her ex-boyfriend, Joe. But because of how the body was found dismembered, they were also considering the possibility of a serial killer or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, they were pretty suspicious of Joe. He was like looking like a good suspect. He was her ex boyfriend. She'd broken things off with him not too long ago, and she'd stayed at his house Friday night. That was the last time anyone in her life had seen her. But I thought she was supposed to move in with him. She was moving in with David, her boyfriend in Atlanta. This is Joe, her ex boyfriend, that she stayed with Friday night at the party. Right, right. That lives in Macon. That's like one of the, I think he's a law student. I'm not totally sure. Joe said Lauren had stayed with him Friday night, but he said that that morning, Saturday morning, she left to go hang out at a country club. David, her boyfriend, was a member at this country club and he let her use his pass. So she wanted to go and just like hang out by the pool. Ugh, love to see it. I know. And detectives looked into this story and they found credit card transactions on Lauren's credit card at the country club. They also looked into that Zaxby's receipt that her friends had found in her car that was timestamped at 6.08 on Saturday night, mm-hmm. but they couldn't tell from the surveillance camera which car was hers in the drive through or if she was alone. So they couldn't confirm that the Zaxby's was hers, but at this
1: point, they don't really think it's not. Should we assume there's been no advancements in like security footage at fast food restaurants in the last like 40 <sighs> years?
0: Yeah, basically. Like it's just just always. The and I mean same. it's like the well, it's just kind of what are they trying Black to get? And they're white. these yeah. were trying to obviously look at the employees and the till and the register. Yeah. They didn't care about the car outside. Like that's not what they're oh, like okay. tr- so pointed at like out or trying to get. Okay. They're yeah, they're inside. And so you just see the cars pulling up, you know, in the window outside, yeah. but you can't tell. Who's in them or if there's a passenger
1: outside the building? Yeah. Right. But Taco Bell, apparently you can. Taco Bell's
0: probably got some outside ones for the. No, Taco Bell was like lower. The angle, like the Zaxby's was like from way above, shooting straight down almost. Mm. And the Taco Bell one, the angle was a little lower. So you could kind of see into the cars a little bit better than in the Zaxby's one. Giving away all the trade secrets. (laughs) And here it seems like the last time anyone had heard from Lauren had been that email that she had sent to David about feeling like somebody had been trying to break into her house the night before. I don't think she sent that email. That email was sent Saturday night at ten thirteen p.m. So it seems like she was definitely alive then. I do think she sent that email. Police wondered if David had maybe found out about Lauren staying at Joe's Friday night and killed her over that. So they pull David in, and he tells them that he was on that golf trip to California over that weekend, and he didn't seem to think it was weird that he hadn't heard from Lauren. Police told them that her friends had all told them that there were problems in their relationship, and he was like, well, you know, we broke things off for a while, and then she sent me an email asking me to come to her graduation, and so Look he the did. Emails
1: I can't get over. I know. I know.
0: And they kind of like rekindled things there. I didn't realize this until later on, but they had been together for like four years. Like this had been like a like they like since her undergrad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. At that exact moment, he wasn't able to prove that he'd been in California that weekend. Like he hadn't brought everything with him from Atlanta.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So police weren't ready to cross him off the suspect list just now, but they didn't have anything to hold him on either. And so they had to let him go. And then the police started looking a little harder at Lauren's next-door neighbor, Stephen McDaniel. First off, Stephen doesn't have, like, the clean-cut look you'd expect from a law student. His hair is more D. Snyder than Warner Huntington III. It's very long and bushy and curly. And they'd already brought a cadaver dog into his apartment, not just because he had bushy hair. They brought cadaver dogs into, like, every apartment unit. And when it had gone into his apartment, it had shown some interest the dog had, but it wasn't very clear. But the thing that really made them look twice at Stephen was when they dropped all of Lauren's friends back off at Barrister's Hall. They had, uh, after some, like, lengthy interviews, they'd had them all, like, interviewing them. Then they brought him back and dropped him off. By that time... There were now tons of police cars, the roped off areas, the media was there, like the whole street in front of the apartment was just packed with people. The TV station, WGXA, managed to get an interview with Steven, and the police thought this interview was a little weird. How is the news
1: already all there? Like, how did it, who told that there was a body in the trash can?
0: Oh, Patrick Mahomes got a touchdown. Oh,
1: You're not cutting that. (laughs) You
0: you ought to be ashamed. How many points is a touchdown? God, well, on my fantasy football, not nearly enough. In the real life, how many points is (laughs) actually... Six points. I know that. I'm not an idiot. And you get an extra point for your little field goal kick, and then it's seven.
1: Great job. sex i'm not an (laughs) (laughs) idiot sex fine i can't wait to just yell that (laughs) at you
0: so i'm debating showing you this but i think i'm just gonna tell you no wait you didn't answer my question how did all these news people show up i'm they figured it out they got word they got word that a body had been found i mean
1: like this is still all happening like the dad is still on his way it's not even like it's been a day
0: no the dad has arrived the dads arrived. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: that's right, that's right, that's right. Identify.
0: Okay. Yeah, this is like, this is so Wednesday night is when they like when Ashley's like getting into the apartment, getting all the friends together, like looking yeah. for her. Cops start showing up around like one in the morning, and so this right. is Thursday, the next day. I'm not sure like what time, but probably like in the afternoon. Like they had all those friends at the police station. Interviewing them for quite a while. And so this is like that next day. And yeah, word has gotten out. Like I said, they were not able to contain it. I'm sure one of the police officers that was there let it slip or told somebody Mm -hmm. on purpose, not even slipped. You know, one of those two. He either let it slip or he told him on purpose. (laughs)
1: It's one of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Two options. As it is with all things in life.
0: Right. The reporter in this interview. And I just, I I need you to picture it. So I'm just going to send you okay. a still. So just look at his face. Don't read the headlines. Just look at. Okay, well, that's going to be hard. picture it. <laughs> the reporter asked Stephen about Lauren. And at first, he just seems like a worried neighbor. You know, he tells them, Lauren was a very nice person. She was very personable. Oh, wow. Everyone loved her. And he told them, No one had heard from Lauren since Saturday when she sent that email and they were all just wondering where she could be. And he said they were thinking maybe she was out running and someone snatched her. And he told them about how a friend of hers had a key. And when they went back into the apartment, there was no sign of a break in, nothing amiss. The door was locked and they just didn't know where she is. And then the reporter asks him, what about in the parking lot area? I think that's where they recovered a body. Oh And his entire demeanor changes. His jaw drops, his face white. It looks like he's seen a ghost, and he just says, "Body?" And the reporter tells oh. him that the police took a body out of the parking lot earlier. They weren't sure if it was the same person or not. And this whole time, Steven is just staring at her with his mouth hanging open, and she asks oh. him if he's OK, and he's like, "I think I need to sit down." And he walks away a few feet and he just sits down on the side sidewalk and he's just staring off into space.
1: I don't think that's odd though, if
0: Right. Like maybe we- he's just a worried neighbor, like and he just found out that there's a body and he's shocked. Sure. Yeah. A few, I'd be really freaked out. A few police officers come over and they try to check on him and make sure he's okay. They can't get any response from him. He's just staring off into space. Like clearly he's in shock. So they do a sternal rub on him, which is basically where you jab your knuckle like really painfully into someone's sternum to determine okay. if they are alert or not. And so they do this to, to Steven. It makes him like come back. And he's suddenly mm-hmm. just like, what happened? And after this, the same reporter saw him and asked him if he was OK. And he just started talking and the camera started rolling again. And he looked visibly upset. He's explaining how they were studying for the bar. And he he's just sounding more and more desperate. He's like, we're studying for the bar. And he hardly ever saw her, but he'd see her go out running sometimes. And it was part of her normal routine. And she had a group that she'd go running with. And then he starts getting like choked up. And he's breathing really heavy. And he just starts saying like, she was just the nicest person. And I don't know anyone who'd want to do this. And he's getting like really emotional. and. He told the reporter that she was supposed to be moving out that day and the reporter asked him what was going on in his mind just then and his voice breaks and he says, why would anyone do this? And he's like really choked up and emotional. Oh no. And then he's like sobbing like for for, like a few seconds but no tears and then he's totally fine. Like literally sobbing for a few seconds, no tears, he's totally fine and then he's just like, talking more about going to her apartment with her friends and how they looked all over campus for her. And he's detailing basically every single thing about the investigation, about her family, her boyfriend. Like he's talking, talking, talking and seeming totally fine after having this like very short little breakdown. And it's very odd. So he tells a reporter about that email that said how Lauren was afraid to stay in her apartment But that she'd never come to him and told him that. And and he wishes that she had because he could have lent her a handgun that he has. How does he know about it? Just because he was at that. No, he was at the apartment when it was found. He was like with them all. And they asked him how he knew something was wrong. And he said, well, the police were called last night and they came and looked around. But there was no sign of a struggle. No sign that anyone had broken in. So she was just gone. And he's saying it in this way that's like, nobody has any idea what happened here. It's just so weird. And throughout (laughs) the interview, he keeps bringing up this theory that she was snatched while out on a run. Like, he says that several times. And the police weren't sure if this odd behavior meant anything. Was it just shock or surprise at the news that they'd found a body behind his apartment? His record was totally clean. He'd never been in trouble before. They were curious after this yeah, interview. Yeah, I, I mean, me too. Yeah, me too. so they brought him into the station again for another interview. In the interview with the reporter, in the news interview, Stephen couldn't stop talking. Would just yammer, yammer, yammer every single detail about Lauren, her boyfriend, the investigation, like everything. What a good word. He, what, what did I say? Yammer. Oh. Yammer. <laughs> he appeared manic. He went on with this reporter for like 10 minutes on camera. But Mm -hmm. now in the police station interview room, it looks like he's in a daze. Every question the detective asks him, they just get a yes or no, or I don't know. Well, I'm sure it's a lot more startling to be in a police station
1: than sitting outside.
0: Yes, I think the environment might have something to do with it. But also, it is so different looking at this interview with the news and then this interview with the police like he's sitting at the table with both hands on the edge of the table and just like yes no talkative steven is gone and here is zombie steven and when they push and push and push about whether or not he hurt lauren all he says is i didn't do it but he says it like i didn't do it yeah
1: I didn't like
0: that. No, it, I didn't like it either. <laughs> I didn't do it while he was okay. being interviewed. And Why do you
1: sound like the guy from SNL? What was Stuart!
0: Stuart! <laughs> <laughs> Look what I can do. Yeah, I didn't Good. do it. He do, this does I seem, didn't do it. he very much seems like a lost little boy in this interview. Yeah. While he was being interviewed, investigators started searching his apartment and nothing seemed really weird until they found a pack of condoms in his drawer, which wouldn't be weird if he hadn't just told investigators that he was a virgin who was saving himself for marriage. So they're like, why do you have condoms here then? So they asked him about it in the interview and he started to change. He got quiet like he was very deep in thought. And then finally, he said. He stole them out of the apartments of two of his neighbors. Wh- okay. These condoms. Why? <laughs> Why
1: would that be your answer instead of I maybe anything else <laughs> other than I in think a of... police station <laughs> alluding to the fact that you've broken into other people's apartments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like maybe just in case, in case the temptation takes over and I can't like... Really stick to that personal commitment. Nothing. Right. Like, just in case I have friends over. I mean, like, there, I mean, I can think of like five things right now. Right. Wanted to see how they work. I was doing a science project. Right. I'm putting them in like Christmas stocking. I mean, I could think of literally anything else. I wanted to make balloon
0: animals.
1: Yeah. Like, I hear if you like use them for, for oven mitts, I mean literally anything else, but I broke into another apartment and
0: stole them?
1: That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard, and we're almost on episode 100. Is I know. Is episode 100?
0: I don't, know. Th- it's like 97 or something. I know, okay. Well, I
1: got 97 other reasons <laughs> that he would have condoms other than I broke in and stole them from a neighbor
0: yeah, I know. but I
1: definitely didn't break in and murder the girl next door.
0: right. You and I
1: break in at other right.
0: I have no sympathy for you sir. So th- and this story gave police cause to arrest him and charge him with burglary. like they didn't have anything against him for Lauren, but now they can charge him with burglary for these condoms oh, they while the they dog- cont- while they continue to investigate him for Lauren's murder.
1: So did they really just handcuff him right there like you're under arrest for these yes. $10 condoms? Yeah.
0: The building, Barrister's Hall, it had a laundry facility that was like connected to a supply closet that was kept locked. Oh, we know. And it's got <laughs> it's a quarter per load and it ruins all your stuff. Well, we, we know the type. And in one of the mo- washing machines, police found a large bloody sheet. <sighs> And then they got the supply closet unlocked, and inside they found a hacksaw that looked oh. like it had blood on it. Oh my god. Someone had clearly tried to clean the hacksaw, but where it screws in at the base to keep the blade in place, there was blood in there and human flesh.
1: I hate to inform you, I don't know what a hacksaw's. is. I, I don't know the ins and outs of ones, but... It it's just one of the odd. ones that
0: goes that you hold that goes back and forth oh <laughs> oh okay
1: i just cannot believe this i just gonna put the sheet in the washer in the in the community and just leave it there laundry. and it's like still in the washing machine four days later
0: like four days later
1: i mean good you know what because i want you to be <laughs> locked up for life but i just am shocked by your utter
0: And this is a person, I don't know know who did it yet, but this person that did it thinks that they are smarter than everybody else. And I just want to say where? (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. Visit BetterHelp.com Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Creepers. So now they're looking at the maintenance man because he had a master key that opened the supply closet. And his master key also opened all the apartments in the whole building. So they asked the maintenance guy about it, and he's like, I didn't buy that hacksaw. And also, here's my alibi for the weekend. (laughs) But the police were already pretty sure that the maintenance guy didn't have anything to do with it because he wasn't the only one with a set of keys to the building. Why does he have one? They'd found two keys sitting on a dresser in Stephen's room, and they'd tested them. And once they realized what they were, they knew they had their guy. One of these keys was a master key to the entire building, including that supply closet. The other (gasps) one. Including Lauren's. Yeah. Yeah. Including every apartment. But the other one, and this one had like a Georgia Bulldog on the key. That one was cut specifically to Lauren's apartment. It was her like apartment key, a copy of her apartment key. Why would Steven have a key to her apartment? How did he have a key to her apartment? And they also found women's underwear in his apartment, in his underwear drawers. Lauren's DNA was found on that underwear. Okay. Okay. So. And then they found Mm -hmm. packaging in his apartment that was the exact same packaging as the hacksaw that had the blood on it in the supply closet. Same size, same brand, same everything. Oh he did himself no favor and this person thought he was going to def- to be a lawyer and this person went on the news and was like gosh golly gee whiz I don't know what happened to her her door was locked maybe someone oh, took her while was. she was running somebody her door was just locked and no, nobody broke in and gosh I don't know what happened and, but I break oh, into my
1: neighbor's apartments all the time
0: and steal their underwear and their condoms <laughs> god david and joe were totally cleared you know none of her friends ever thought it was either of them anyway but i think there was still like that relief that that it wasn't sure and then stephen mcdaniel was charged with murder but they didn't actually have physical evidence against him everything they had was circumstantial and not like lauren's underwear in his drawer
1: doesn't count they could just be like, "Oh, maybe they hooked up once and he or kept he the pair. stole
0: it from her apartment, but it doesn't prove that it had anything he, to do with yeah. the murder, but i I mean, I think sometimes circumstantial evidence it doesn't do anything for me like it doesn't convince me mm-hmm. this is pretty compelling circumstantial evidence that he had keys, yeah, the keys that the he saw. had her underwear, so he's a creepy creep creep, and yeah, I The saw packaging. The saw packaging. Mm -hmm. But, and then
1: again, his behavior doesn't prove anything, but that with all the other stuff. with everything
0: else. Yeah. yeah. And, but the DA was really worried that if they didn't find something else, that this would turn into one of those cases where everyone knew who did it, but they couldn't prove it. Stephen's mother, Glenda, was like, you're all going to be really sorry when it turns out that my son is innocent of all of this. And she said the only reason they're even pursuing him as a suspect was because of his hair, but that he's actually a very bright, very gentle, very loving person, and that she believes he is innocent because she does not believe that a Christian could murder and cut somebody's body up. Sweet Glenda, listen. I agree. It's probably true. You're probably not a Christian if you're murdering and cutting people's bodies up.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, included in the Ten Commandments. You are correct. <laughs> but Glenda, as... As his mother, your opinion is null and void. I hate to mm. tell you that. Mm.
0: And it also might be true that Stephen's hair made police look twice at him. Societal perceptions are a thing, unfortunately. But they didn't have to look very hard, that second look so around, find, yeah. to find some pretty compelling evidence against him. Glenda McDaniels said a better suspect was the maintenance worker. He had been given a notice of termination on May 25th, and his last day of work, was the last day anyone saw Lauren. So it was probably him and not her very gentle, very loving son.
1: The same son, Glenda, that breaks into people's apartments to steal their underwear and condoms. Is that the same Christian?
0: The very one. And Stephen's classmates, they didn't have such fond memories of Stephen. They said he was quiet and socially awkward, which a lot of people are, but that he would do stuff like he grew his fingernails very long. And then he'd wear biker gloves, but he'd cut the tips off to make room for his fingernails. And then he'd go around scratching people. (gasps) Like they said he was well known for scratching people at his church. Another classmate said that if he got mad at you, he would hiss at you. He made up his own elfish language and would carry around a metal briefcase around school that he said contained a fantasy novel he was writing that would rival Lord of the Rings. Okay. And, you know, take out the scratching but everything else i i enjoy that immensely carry your metal briefcase <laughs> with your novel hiss at people when you are mad <laughs> like I, I would love I, I've it i've definitely
1: done that before but the scratching <laughs> the scratching goes too much going to be enough so, for that's me, aggressive yeah. yeah
0: bibb county da david cook took over the case which was a death penalty case and he wasn't sure that that was the way to go if this should be death penalty even though this was a very gruesome crime, they had no evidence to prove cause of death. None of Stephen's DNA was found in Lauren's apartment. None of Lauren's DNA was found in Stephen's apartment, apart from the underwear that he'd That's obviously taken. That's interesting, no, the no
1: DNA in Lauren's apartment.
0: Yeah, but remember, they didn't find fingerprints or hair or anything at all i think that is weird uh, yeah for in a girl's apartment someone cleaned up in there yeah and they had a long time to do it you know they had like four days yeah
1: and i guess he probably knew that because i'm sure she's saying like oh i'm really you know like he's probably noticing the dog is gone or Mm -hmm. like she's people aren't
0: coming over the phone's off like well and he's studying for the bar too like he knows that she's studying for the bar and so there's too much room for reasonable doubt here. The DA figured he could argue that Lauren's apartment wasn't secure, that other people had access to her apartment. And so they couldn't prove that just because he had a key that he did it because the maintenance guy also had Ugh. a key. Ashley knew where to find her spare key. Like people were able to get into her apartment. And Steven seemed to know this. He seemed to know that they really didn't have enough evidence against him. The DA said he and his team had a certain swagger. They seemed very confident that they could win. Stephen's defense attorney had already tried to get most of the evidence thrown out due to improper search warrants, which would have thrown out the keys, the underwear, and the hacksaw packaging. One of Stevens' defense attorneys, Hoke, had been Lauren's teacher at Mercer Law School. Like, he knew her. He admired her. He was her teacher in a transition course that would go from school to practice. And Hoke knew that Lauren was opposed to the death penalty. So when he was able to successfully get the death penalty taken off the table, he saw it as a win for his client and for Lauren. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I I truly am all for defense attorneys that do their jobs because they hold our government accountable for doing their jobs correctly. But... I don't know how you defend someone in a murder of a person you knew. Like, I just don't know how you do that. And it was actually Lauren's family that wanted the death penalty taken away, partly because Lauren was opposed to the death penalty, but also because the death penalty would draw the trial out. It's already been like, at this point, it's already been like three years or something that's gone by by the time we get to this point. The death penalty, you're talking another four years plus endless appeals, you know, forever and ever. So this way they could just get justice for Lauren sooner if they just took that off the, yeah. the table. The GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, they'd already searched Stevens' laptop and they hadn't found much, which really surprised the DA because he's like, there is no way that this kind of guy commits this kind of crime and doesn't leave an incriminating search history behind nothing on the laptop. So when the GBI got news... I don't I mean, he's in law school.
1: Like, I feel like I just have done a true crime podcast for a year, and I feel like I could... <laughs> I don't know, I just feel like you learn what
0: not to do. No. You always do it, though. You can't help but not. So when the GBI got new software, he asked them to check Stephen's laptop again, and he asked them to look for anything related to Lauren Giddings, sex, or violence. And they found a treasure trove. Well, why? What happened the first time? I don't know. They said they got new software. I don't have any any knowledge. I think it's like you over there with your cell phone update. <laughs> Look, it failed. It became obvious that Steven had a fascination with sadistic pornography, like mm. websites that deal with cannibalism and dismemberment. Oh. God. he searched for things like molest sleeping girl it was tot- do you hear that
1: glinda like was, i feel bad yeah. for you but
0: it was totally vile but still oh. not proof that he'd done anything they also seized a memory stick that turned out to have 52 images of child sexual abuse on them and They ended up being able to charge him with seven counts of child sexual exploitation for those images. And they set his bail at eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars and he couldn't make the bail. So he sat in jail awaiting trial. But they also on this laptop, they also found Internet searches specifically about Lauren. Like he searched so many times. He's like Googling for nude Lauren Giddings. As if there's just going to be stuff on the web. Right. Right, as if she's a celebrity that was in on that Sony hack, like... Yeah. On the day Lauren's body was found, he searched how to permanently erase search history. Uh,
1: Oh.
0: see, yeah, search
1: history. I just,
0: we just talked about this, but... Well, he thought he could do it, and he couldn't. Huh? They also had an old roommate of Steven's from his undergrad days, whose name i kid you not is thad money that's his <laughs> real name
1: thad money if
0: you are not putting out some type of musical project no what are you this doing? isn't relevant but thad money is a financial advisor and i just need to check <gasps> can he be ours <laughs> thad money can you please thad financially money, advise well, he told the police that Steven would often tell him that he could commit the perfect murder and never get caught. Were they friends or he just like was? No, classmates. he was just his roommate. Thad Money oh, said right. the first time he met his roomie, Steven was sitting at his computer playing World of Warcraft. That's not the weird part. He was wearing chainmail. And apparently he would just go around wearing chainmail to like his classes and stuff too. Wait, what is chainmail? google it <laughs> no google chain mail like is it one word yeah no it's two words well maybe one word oh okay i was thinking like i like i okay. don't know how to describe it <laughs> gotta it. some lord of the rings
1: shit. right
0: <laughs> game of thrones okay also really creepy postings on internet message boards started popping up being linked to steven The Telegraph claims that they verified that he had written all of these posts. These posts were as recent as three days before Lauren's body was found, and they talked about how he was desensitized to violence and gore. One of them, the DA read aloud in court at a bail hearing for Stephen that said, this is just creepy. It said, quote, graduate from law school. Party hard by drinking alone in front of my computer. See my sexy neighbor slash classmate come home late. She has talked to me occasionally in the past. Has wanted a certain piece of my anatomy for three years. Yeah, right. You're bud. right. Invite You're her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> invite her up for a nightcap. Make her a special drink called a Mickey Finn. And the DA then had to explain that a Mickey Finn is a drink laced with drugs to make you unconscious. And can I just point out that it doesn't make any sense that she'd wanted a piece of your anatomy for three years, but then you're making her a Mickey Finn. Get your narrative straight, you piece of trash. Piece of trash. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. You're right. Then he continued reading the post. The DA continued reading this post. Quote, she's out cold. I finally lose my V-card. Oh, no. She OD'd and died. I barbecue her legs and arms to celebrate (gasps) losing my V-card. Not into organ meat, but throw her torso out. Lose it on TV while the cops are discovering her remains. You mad virgins. So, wait, where is this? What is this? This was a post on a message board on like an internet message board. That was <gasps> traced back to Steven.
1: Oh my god, I, I like as you were talking, like I I I feel like I could be sick.
0: Yeah. I feel I feel very nauseous. Ooh. So all of this is evidence that makes Steven look really bad, but it maybe doesn't actually prove his guilt. No, hello. That was a damn play by play. And it was I know, but like. If you're writing it after the fact, I guess, like...
1: I don't care. I don't care. That child pornography, that man needs to stay far, far away from any other human being.
0: No, he absolutely does. But the problem is, can they prove it? And it's getting closer and closer to the trial. put me on the case. I'll prove (laughs) something. And the DA still does not have that smoking gun that he wants. But then they got Stephen's digital camera, and they found a video of Stephen spying on Lauren. It was oh, like he'd taped Stephen, the camera. a big, dumb idiot. A big, dumb idiot. They. It was like he'd taped the camera to a stick and held it up through the slats in her blinds <sighs> and, like, spied on her. The DA thought that Stephen was spying on her to see if she was home because... He said that that was the night that he was planning to kill her. That's what the DA thinks. Once this video came out, the DA knew this was the smoking gun he'd been looking for. And the defense realized it too. Hoge said that that video, on top of everything else, would have been virtually insurmountable evidence at trial. So in late 2014, just a week before his trial was supposed to start, Stephen McDaniel pled guilty to Lauren's murder and gave a full confession in writing in exchange for the DA dropping the burglary and child sexual exploitation charges. He said that on Sunday, June 26th, at around 4.30 in the morning, Stephen put on a mask and gloves and then used the master key he had to enter Lauren's apartment. And he watched her sleep for a while, but the floor creaked and that woke her up And she told him to get the fuck out of her apartment. And Stephen jumped on the bed and started strangling her with his hands. And the two struggled and fell off the bed. And eventually Stephen strangled her to death. And he placed her in the bathtub and then left her there all day on Sunday. And so he came back to her apartment around midnight on Sunday and dismembered her body using the hacksaw. He put her remains in black trash bags and then dumped them in trash bins on the law school campus. And then on Tuesday, he threw her torso in the bins at her apartment. Don't ask me why he hung on to that for an extra day. I do not want to know. I, am, I was not going to. The DA believes that Stephen had been planning this for a long time, that it was an obsession for him, that he wanted to commit a murder and get away with it. And he almost did. Thursday was garbage day at Barrister Hall, and if there hadn't been cop cars blocking the garbage trucks from picking up the trash that day, her body would have never been discovered, and this would still be a missing persons case. Investigators aren't sure how truthful Stephen's written confession actually was. He had a lot of time to prepare that letter, and they say they're sure that there are things he'll never tell anyone. February of 2018, he did try to argue for a new trial. He represented himself and the the article from Talk Murder With Me that I used said that he was representing himself because he thinks he's smarter than everyone else. He claimed that his constitutional rights were violated. He said that he was clearly not mentally fit to consent to those searches of his apartment. Since when the police were interviewing him, he was verbally unresponsive and staring into space. But really, this was just Stephen's one chance to play lawyer because he'll never actually be able to be one. You know, I get
1: it. Like (sighs) the whole you got to have a reason to like search one's apartment. But it's like Mm -hmm. it pisses me off, honestly, Mm -hmm. when it's like, oh, we didn't we didn't fill out the right paperwork. We didn't whatever. You have a literal like evidence, body part. I mean, like whatever all that stuff is in your apartment and you've
0: already pled guilty like you've pled guilty sorry that's really hard i i've seen a case i think we covered a case where somebody pled guilty to a crime they didn't commit and it was like really hard to overturn they basically had to find the real guy i can't remember what it was but only three of the five people that he subpoenaed actually showed up One of them was Floyd Buford, his previous defense attorney, and he questioned him, asking him if he remembered him losing a substantial amount of weight in jail and spending a lot of time in the infirmary. And his attorney Buford said he did remember that, but he also remembered concerns that he was faking his illness and that as time went on, Stephen became more responsive. And he said that it was completely Stephen's choice to write that confession and that he and the other defense attorney, Hoke, were shocked by it because up until that point they'd thought he was innocent that's why they defended him allegedly right he was basically like, look kid, you got a pretty good deal you admitted to murdering and dismembering a person and you're sitting here with life with the possibility of parole a case that started yeah. out with the death penalty. I don't know if I said that. So they're
1: like, be grateful, sit down, shut up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Be grateful, sit down, shut up, because you don't have a leg to stand on. Sit down,
1: be humble.
0: Lauren's family is so thankful that they had that time with Lauren at Caitlin's wedding just a week before her murder. Everyone got to see her one last time, and they got to make a great last memory, but they still mourn the life that she didn't get to live. You know, She was 27 years old when she died, and so she'll always be 27 years old. And they wonder in the ten years since, like, what would her life be like? Would there be more grandkids running around? How many people would she have helped as a public defender? A little and so, bean. and a little Butterbean. So they continue to honor her in small ways. They celebrate her birthday every year, and they've continued Lauren's tradition of pink Wednesdays. Lauren's mm. mom's friends got in on it, and they try to keep it up for her mom. Also at Mercer Law School, there's a plaque honoring Lauren and a pink park bench at Washington Park in Macon. Agnes Scott College, where Lauren went to undergrad, holds an annual Lauren Giddings Memorial Walk and softball tournament that raises money towards a scholarship in her name. They do that every year. On August sixth, two 2011, a funeral was held for Lauren in Maryland and hundreds came out to honor her and her family wanted to make sure that her legacy was not that of a murder victim, but that of a fun-loving, ambitious woman who lived every single one of her days to the fullest. She seems like such a badass. I know. Her mom, Karen, said she never lost sight of what life is really about. She lived more in her 27 years than most people do in 100. And Stephen McDaniel is serving a life sentence in prison. He could potentially get parole in 2041, but it's unlikely that he will ever be released from prison.
1: He could potentially catch these hands if I see him (laughs) ever. Like, he could potentially literally get got by the mocha. I just can't. I can't tell you what trash what trash and like how are there people like that like how are there people like that and then there's people that you just feel like you can't live your life without you know what i mean like how are there people that i could go my whole life without ever knowing about like i could really really do without knowing about steve mcdaniel you know what i mean
0: Mm Hmm. you will you'll forget about him by tomorrow so no
1: i won't have i forgot about tanya head (laughs) the one Okay. Or Michelle You've Carter forgotten now. forgotten about or- everybody else. Do you remember when our friendship was like, let's go have sangria at Chelsea's and talk about boys. <laughs> not these kind of boys. I was like- about to say, well, we did just talk about boys. Oh uh, Well. Okay. I'm going to have to go read Winnie the Pooh before I fall asleep again. All right. Well, we got to do shout outs. I'm not in the mood. What? We got to do yeah, shout outs. Might- Here's our shout out. Everybody, major shouts to Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) And that's the only person.
0: Oh, no shout outs. Are you not in the mood for shout outs? Oh, I'll give you
1: shout out. (laughs) But I'm going to do it in the I'm going to do it just like this. Okay. Okay. fine. (laughs) Do these.
0: All right. We're doing shout outs, but I'm not happy about it, people. (laughs) All right. Well, then I'll get us started off. And hopefully this will cheer MoGab (laughs) up right here because it's time to say big thanks to Nicole Rodenhauser. Woohoo. I'm just kidding,
1: Nicole. It's your (laughs) shout out. We're so excited. We love you. Thanks for being a patron.
0: Also, thanks for that perfect, perfect phonemic spelling of Rodenhauser. No, you still (laughs) stumble. Nicole Rodenhauser. I know because I like Rodenhauser, you know, but I bet Rono. it's Rodenhauser. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, I like the next one too. Well, do it. Do it. Oh, me, <sighs> me again? Fine. Thank you so much to Ben DeWise. Ben DeWise. Ben
1: DeWise.
0: I I Ooh, also just because- another touchdown. Oh, yes. No, Patrick Mahomes is not getting a mm, shout out. Mm, he is mm, not a patron. Mm, I am ten it. points away. Come on, guys. Come on, boys. I know you. So sorry, Ben. Already- Patrick Mahomes stole your shout
1: out. <laughs> ben, I do love your name because I just was writing it on your Patreon cards in the mail. Ooh. It's coming to you. Oh yay! Also, Patrick Mahomes, if you actually want to keep your shout out, send us $10. Something
0: tells me you're good for it. Okay. Something tells me Patrick Mahomes is not listening to this. Well,
1: that's what you think. Uh, all right, you're right Wait up. till he is and he, it's like years from now, but he like goes back and listens to this one you've shouted his names like 50 times. Because this episode is like a bonus. It's like two episodes. It's like hmm. the actual story and then it's like a play by play of this game. Right. And every Patrick Mahomes play is in this, this and <laughs> shout out in this episode. <laughs> and last but not least rounding it out, Cynthia Wolf, Wolf with an E. Ooh, I do love Cynthia Wolf. Cynthia Wolf you're like cynthia wolf you is not your real name that's she's a lawyer novel pseudonym Ooh. no she's writing books under oh, the name cynthia wolf. cynthia wolf and they're like kind of like a like a twilight meets oh Ed, that's exactly
0: po. what i was thinking no 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 it's like, like a, or
1: like a agatha christie
0: twilight mm. like more creepy twilight no more it's dark. definitely romance with werewolves yeah, <laughs> like darker twilight. Yeah. yeah, that's twilight
1: is romance with werewolves. It's like interview
0: <laughs> with a vampire, but interview with the werewolf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Cynthia, let us let us know about that. Yeah. And can you send us an arc if that is true? Because I want to read it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we would love that. And I'll do one more. Angelique. Also another great yeah. phonetic Angelique. spelling. Angelique. Angelique. I picture you being very one name, like Madonna. Yeah, like Madonna. Yeah, but like very talented, Angelique. Are you very talented in the cosmetic hair, like oh. beauty game? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If so we'd mm-hmm. love some tips. But that's what I'm picturing. Uh huh. You know, like hair by Angelique. I was picturing and like Satine your Majesty. Paulo takes this
0: <laughs> and this and gives you a princess. a princess. Which just means they straightened her curly hair. I know. I mean, it's so <laughs> insulting. I know. And like, all and the like, trimmed her way. eyebrows.
1: <laughs> hey, that that'll take you far. Wait, what were you picturing about Mulan? Like, Mulan Rouge. Oh, I'm, okay. Not Mulan, fa Mulan. That's my favorite part of the movie. It's like five minutes when they're like fa Mulan, and she
0: like comes out. <laughs> Okay. My favorite is, let's get down to business, to, business, to defeat
1: the, the huns. huns. Why'd they send me daughters when, when I, I ask for sons?
0: We should probably call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that wasn't infringing on Disney copyright. I'll cut it. And <laughs> I, I'm sure that they are concerned. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on social media on Instagram at CreepersPod. You can join our Facebook discussion group, the True Crime Creepers discussion group. We're, we have a lot of fun in there. So come in and join us. And you can go on Twitter like once a month and check to see if MoGab's <laughs> tweeted for the month at CreepersPod. You can do that. But if I but if I haven't, I don't need to be held accountable. Thank you, though. <laughs> Absolutely not. And if you really want to help us out, you can go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review. And uh, if you really, really want to help us out. creativity on
1: those, because our most recent one, Ugh. the title, points for creativity in the whole thing, but I really love a good title on the uh-huh. rating and reviews. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, because our most recent one was Horse Blank. Facial at the Waffle House, and <laughs> if you know, you know. Am I right?
0: <laughs> and we loved that review. Mm-hmm. And then, if you really, really want to help us out, you can hop on over to patreoncom slash creepers and choose a level that works for you. And that's another way to support the podcast. So, well, that being said, uh, that's the end. Join us next week when I'll tell Mogab, <laughs> that's the end. Another wild story. I. I could, yeah, okay, I'll be here.
1: (laughs) Bye, peeps and creeps.